Father, we just want to thank you once again for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your presence already here in our midst. For you said in your word, where two or three are gathered in my name, you will be here in our midst. And we just want to thank you. We just want to honor your presence this morning by honoring your word. For you said in your word, Lord, you have exalted your word above all your name. And Lord, I pray, Lord, even as we surrender ourselves to the teaching and the and the admonition of your word, I pray, Lord, that you would wash us, that you would sanctify us, that the word will do its work in our lives. The word that you, that comes from your throne room of grace and throne will not, Father, return back void, but it, but it will accomplish its purpose for which it was sent by giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Lord, that we will truly have sufficient food for our own soul and sufficient seed to give away to others. Grant us grace to that and we pray that you would bless us, O Lord, in understanding your ways, teach us your ways, show us your paths, and lead us in the way of everlasting life. We just want to thank you. We want to praise you. We give you glory for in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So this morning, even as we we are here, we'll continue to study uh, uh, and prepare ourselves for the coming of the Lord uh, because two incidents are certain in a believer's life. Um, it is appointed for a man to die once and then judgment. We need to live in the light <laughs> of judgment. And then um, second thing is uh, that we... Uh, if we are not ready, there's one thing that we will also escape is we will uh, not escape uh, the, ra- we will escape the rapture, we'll be captured. So we don't want to be among those people who will be captured, we want to be among those who will be raptured. So how do we prepare ourselves uh, in developing ourselves in in the faith so that we will have the faith that prepares us for rapture and not capture is what we want to look at this morning. First Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, we want to just look at one verse. But you brothers are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. Okay, this day should, if you actually read um, Thessalonians, um, in fact, through the book of Thessalonians, you will see two distinct returnings of the, of the Lord. One returning when he's gathering his church and rapturing his church, all the believers, um, who have been prepared. And then, of course, the second return when he's coming back with his saints to judge the earth. So you'll see those two distinct returnings of the Lord. Uh, we are not trying to fight over all these things uh, because uh, doctrine is not to fight, but to prepare. Fight with each other, but to prepare. Because that day is for sure. We don't know exactly. I mean, we, there are so many theories, but the best thing to do is to prepare ourselves and to prepare for the worst. And the worst is for us as believers, that that day will come and take us by surprise. That that should not happen. Okay, That is something which we should not happen. That The examination, examination has happened, the results are declared, and we have not even taken part in the exam. That is something which you don't, which you don't want to um, be a part of. Therefore, it says in Luke's Gospel, chapter 21, Take heed to yourselves, therefore. This is verse from 34 onwards. Take heed to yourselves, therefore. Lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, Drunkenness and the cares of this life. What weighs you down is carousing. What weighs you down is being drunk with the world. What weighs you down is cares of this life. Carousing meaning uh, wanting to have pleasure. 
trying to pamper yourself, if you will. Uh, we want to be a people who are, who, I mean, on, honestly, we're possibly one of the most pampered generations. We have no uh, stomach for suffering. Uh, carousing, second is drunkenness, and third is the cares of this life. And that day should come to you unexpectedly. That should not happen. And if that should not happen, and what what are we supposed to do? Look at what it says. For it, it, for it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. And verse, verse 36 will say, Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy. Okay. You may be counted worthy. The word for worthy is very interesting. Axio, which from which we get the word axiom. <laughs> that means your lifestyle is to be uh, so, so, um, what do you say? Um, in accordance to the will of God and the, and the word of God that you will be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. You should be counted worthy. That we should have the faith which will cause us, uh, faith meaning, of course, a faith is just not, uh, we are not talking about the gift of faith, we are talking about a lifestyle of faith which will cause righteousness, which will cause godliness, which will cause to make us choices, to, to say no to sin, etc. And prepare us uh, and make us worthy to escape all these things which are going to come to this world, which will come to pass, and to stand before the Son of Man. We need to have a life that will give us, that will make us worthy. So how does one have a life of this kind of a life that will escape the things that are coming upon this earth? So we will look at a type again of a believer. This is a type of a believer. Let us look at Hebrews chapter 11 and verses 5 to 6. Familiar passages, but always with surprises. Okay, Familiar passages, with all, with always with surprises. Hebrews chapter 11, let us read from verses 5 to 6. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. Okay, That he was counted worthy, in other words, to escape. And was not found... Because God has translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now look at this one word which is repeating itself. What is the, what, what is the one word which is repeating itself? It's, it's mentioned three times. Translation. Translation means not translating from one language to the other. There is something which is something, which is very profound which is being mentioned about Enoch. Okay. Enoch was translated. What is translation? We'll look at today. Hmm? Another thing he says. But before his translation, he obtained a testimony that he pleased God. Meaning, before his translation, he was counted worthy to escape the things that came upon the earth. That's essentially what it is. Therefore, Enoch is a type of believer in Christ. See, whenever you read the story of Enoch, you should not say, be like Enoch is not what we are talking about. Um, let's, no, no, no. We have, we are looking at the life of God through Enoch. That's what we are looking at. Because it's by faith. Alright, so this is the type of a believer, so the Old Testament type of a believer who is counted worthy to escape all the things that have come upon the earth and to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And uh, worthy, worthy is, being, is, is counted worthy, that's what, that's what he tells uh, the church in Philadelphia too. He says, um, I'll hide you from the things that are, that are about to come to pass. So, the type of a believer who, uh, and a church if you will, uh, which is prepared for um for those so the one thing which is mentioned about enoch that he was translated we'll come to that in a while let us look at a few more verses about enoch this is jude chapter one and only one one chapter it says 
now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these things. Yeah, prophesied about these th- uh, about uh, about these men, also saying, "Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints." So one other thing that is mentioned about Enoch that he was a prophet. He prophesied. And what did he prophet? prophesy? He prophesied about the coming judgment. It is not even talking about the first coming of Jesus Christ. He is talking about the second coming of Jesus. Therefore, he was a man who lived in the light of the second coming. Again, a type of a what? Of a believer in the new covenant who is living in the light of the second co- second coming of Jesus. Because for us, the first coming has already already happened, right? So what are we supposed to We know for a fact that just like Jesus, see, that's what he tells you men of Galilee, why are you looking at Jesus like this? The same Jesus whom we are, look, whom we are looking now, uh, who is being translated into heaven, will come back one day. And therefore, be prepared. So, so uh, Enoch again was living in the light of the second coming. Therefore, is again a type of a church which is prepared in that he's living in the light of the coming judgment. So what is he saying? Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment to all, to convict all who are ungodly among them all, them of all their, uh, among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against Jesus and God essentially. So, again, a, a type of a believer who overcame, right? And who lived in the light of the coming judgment. We looked, that's another uh, passage. We can possibly delve in, delve in that, uh, delve into this passage sometime later. Again, Genesis chapter 5. It says, this is about Adam, uh, about uh, Enoch. Uh, what kind of an environment? This is the seventh from Adam, it says Jude, right? Look at uh, some, of the, some of the verses from Genesis chapter 5. So, all the days that Adam lived for 930 years and he died. Okay, we know this passage very well for those people who do not know. What should you underline? He died. Okay, this is the graveyard we are going through. Hmm? So, this is verse 8. So, all the days of Seth were 912 years and he died. Don't get fooled by the number of years that they lived. The fact of the matter is, doesn't matter how many times, how many years they lived, they died. <laughs> Okay, it, they died. Okay, so this is this. I mean, maybe they were living and living. Maybe okay, maybe it's not. It's not. It's not going to happen in our lifetime. That's what they might. They might have thought, but they died. So all the days of Seth were nine hundred and twelve years, and he died. This is the second person from Adam. Then third person from Adam, and all the days of Enosh were nine hundred and five years, and he died. Right. Verse fourteen. This is the fourth from Adam. So all the days of Cainan were 910 years and he died. Okay. Fifth from Adam. All the days of Mahalel were 895 years and he died. Sixth from Adam. All the days of Jared were 962 years and he died. So there's some kind of a random progression which is going on. Alright, we don't know. There's no order any order here. Uh, there's no increment of two or a decrement of three, nothing. This is, they're all, the f- emphasis is they die. Now comes the person who's the seventh from Adam. Okay. And Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. He did not die. So in the midst of death that was happening, he was counted worthy by God to take him without experiencing or tasting death. So what what had happened? Enoch was translated. But what was raining? Death was raining. And what did uh, Enoch escape? 
the 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 people who are dying he escaped that reign of death over their over their lives how did he escape again a type of a believer how do we escape the reign of death from in our lives romans chapter 5 will tell us look at what it says in romans chapter 5 and verse 14 nevertheless death reigned from adam to moses except enoch you see death reigned from adam to moses except on enoch so what did, what happened to enoch according to hebrews chapter 11 he did not taste death so how did he not taste death because he was translated what does it mean to be translated he escaped the reign of death that was you know which uh, was just, just swallowing adam to moses even over those even over those who are not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam. And who are these people? Uh, many, many scholars will say babies who never sinned. But even babies died. And why did they die? Because death was reigning. And why, why was death reigning? Because Adam sinned and in, in, in Adam, everybody dies. And therefore, if Enoch did not die, what was he? He was a type of a believer who was not in Adam, but he was where? In Christ. That's the point here. That is the reason why you should look at the word translated. Right? So, to the likeness of the translation, who is a type of him who was to come? Adam was a type of him who was to come. And the type of, whom, of him who was to come was Jesus. And Jesus tasted death for all, but he overcame death. And all those people who are in Christ Jesus will one day also what? Overcome death and will not taste death like the others eternal separation if you want if you want to uh, talk uh, talk about death in that in that sense so enoch was a type of a believer who was who escaped from adam and come came into christ now look at this when uh, rebecca rebecca had twins in a in a womb right uh, two nations are there in the womb so who was the first one who came out of uh, rebecca's womb esau how was he to look at what did they call him? He was looking uh, re- re- red uh, in appearance. So they called him what? Edom. Edom comes from the which word? You know what the word for for word, word, the same word, the same Hebrew letters, Adam. Exactly. The word Edom in Hebrew comes from the same words which is used for Adam. So Esau, <laughs> if you if you if you will, is a person of the flesh who is in Adam, and Jacob is a person who is in Christ. You see, there's a it's a type again. It's a type. It's only a type. Okay, we're not we're not uh, coming into any conclusions. We're not spiritualizing here. We're just saying we're looking at types. So Esau was a person in Adam, and in Adam all die, and Jacob is a person who is in Christ, and one day Jacob will lean upon his staff and he will prophesy. And what will, what, what will he prophesy about? He will prophesy about the coming of the Lord. Alright. So he was translated. So what, what happened to us? We also were people who were translated. How were we translated? From where were we translated? According to Colossians chapter 1, this is what it says. Giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Okay. Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and what did he do and has translated us into the kingdom of his son so there was a dominion of darkness which was a dominion of death 
And Enoch was a person who was translated from the dominion of darkness and he was translated into the dominion of his son in whom we have a redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of our sins. Why? The wages of sin is death and death was reigning upon all from Adam to Moses and except one person there, Enoch, who is a type of a believer who has escaped the, 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 the reign of death, in that he was translated from the power of darkness into the kingdom of his of the of a son which which was in which is in light okay so darkness to light darkness to light that is the reason why what does the gospel do it says gospel does one thing it opens our eyes first and then it translates us from the power of darkness into the power, power of uh, the, of the devil to the from darkness to light from the power of devil to the power of god grants us forgiveness of sins and it also grants us an inheritance of those who are being sanctified by faith. That's what it says in Acts chapter 26. What does it do? It opens our eyes first because we have been blinded by the ruler of this world. We are absolutely absolutely blinded to our sins. It opens our eyes. And then what does it do? Once our eyes are open, see because our eyes have to be opened. For a blind man, it doesn't matter if there is light or darkness. Once our eyes are opened, then we will know that we are in darkness. And then what does he do? He opens our eyes, he takes us from darkness to light, and he takes us from the power of Satan to the power of God, because the authority of sin, there are two sources of power. Either you are under the power of witchcraft, or you are under the power of God, which is the power of submission, which is the power, uh, witchcraft is the power of rebellion, this is the power of submission. These are the two sources of power only. How do you want to gain power? By rebelling against God and being in the realm of witchcraft and getting the power from the person who's who's been who's a reprobate and who's destined to hell or you want to come under the submission of God and experience the authority and the power of God which is going to give you the power to overcome sin, overcome the world and overcome the flesh. That is your choice. Alright? And then what happens? When you do that, you will constantly receive forgiveness, one thing. How do you receive forgiveness? By extending forgiveness also to others. And the fifth one, you also receive an inheritance among those who are being sanctified by faith. This is also happening. So this is what we are talking about. So who is this person? Who is Enoch? He is a type of the church, who is a type of a believer, who has been translated from the power of darkness and who has been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. So what has happened? He has exposed all the hidden things. He said, Lord, this is what I am. I am not going to hide my sin. This is what I truly am. It's exactly what happens. Enoch walked with God. No, no, he, he was 60 years when he, what, had 65 years, right? He was 65 years when he had Methuselah. That's it. That is when he he heard the voice of God. When this fellow dies, judgment will come. That's exactly what, uh, crudely, what Methuselah means. It's not literally what it is, but crudely, paraphrasing, in other words, he said, you know what, Enoch, you are destined to death. If you continue the way you are living, you will die. If you believe in me, you will live. So he was a type of a believer who was translated from the power of darkness to the power of his, to the kingdom of his dear son. How does this happen? Let us see. John's Gospel chapter 5. Most assuredly I say to you, whoever hears my word, first what should he do? Hear the word. So what, what, did, what did Enoch do? What, what happened to Enoch? He heard the word. What was the word? <laughs> if your son Methuselah. It's a word. He named his son Methuselah because it was a word from God. In that one word, there's a, there's a message in itself. You see, we can never experience the mercy of God unless until we know the judgments of God. 
That's the reason why Isaiah says, when your judgments fall upon the earth, O Lord, people learn righteousness. I was listening to one man of God. He had a, a brother in his congregation who was, who was saved. And he comes from a non-Christian background. And for years, he was praying for the salvation of his unsaved loved ones in his family. And uh, and one day, just recently, uh, what had happened was uh, this brother, this pastor, uh, met his, I mean, went to his home to visit his home. And his entire family is saved now. And uh, he said, how did this miracle happen? And he said, thank God for the grace of Corona, he said. Thank God for the grace of Corona because my father was in the deathbed because of Corona. And when Corona was affecting him, he cried out to the Lord. And he was saved, not only from his sickness, but also from sin. Now he's a believer. Thank God for Corona. What had happened? Judgments of God has have come upon the earth. And what has happened? People learned righteousness. He heard that word. When this son dies, judgment will come. He was living in the light of God's judgment. You see, there is never mercy without judgment, isn't it? We need to understand what mercy is. You know what mercy is? It is what we call as a restraining power of God. What is mercy? It is a restraining power of God. No, remember that uh, scene in Schindler's List? <laughs> Schindler asks Amon Goeth, the, the person who's in charge of the concentration camp, who's a merciless fellow, who shoots Jews for fun, as target practice. And he asks this fellow, he says, Amon, why do you think the Jews are scared of us? You know what he says? Jews are scared of us because we have the power to kill them. And you know what he says? Schindler says, Amon, you call this power? This is not power. I'll tell you what power is, Amon. I'll tell you what power is. There was a, there was a emperor and there was a plot against the emperor to kill him. And that fellow was found out. And now that he was found out, he came to the emperor trembling and he begged him for mercy. And the emperor had every justification to slaughter him, to cut off his head. But you know what? He restrained himself from expressing his power and gave him mercy. You know what? Ammon, that is power. Wow, what a statement. Mercy is the restraining power of God. There is every justification for God to finish him off. That's exactly the reason why the, why is Apostle Saul, sorry, Paul, so radically converted. He looked at God and he said, Paul, what do you think of yourself? Oh, you have the backing of the state. You have the letter from the Sanhedrin. You have the power of, of the entire world to back you up to come against me. You know what, what you're doing? You're only kicking against the gods. You're not even touching me. You're actually hurting yourself. You're opposing yourself. <laughs> you're opposing yourself. In other words, you try to kick against the pricks for, for longer. What is going to happen to you? Who's going to get harmed? You're going to die. You see, that's a very terse one, one line uh, gospel message to Paul. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you for sparing my life. I did not know that I was actually fighting God. When he learned the judgment of God, what he deserved, and God had every justification to finish him off and send him to an eternal hell, he understood 
that God extended his extended mercy to him. And that's the reason why he never forgets where God picks him up from. He says, I was the least of all the apostles and not worthy of being called an apostle because I persecuted the church. I'm the least of all the saints. I'm the chief of all sinners. I did it in ignorance and in unbelief. But God, who was rich in mercy. That is the reason why it says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. First Peter chapter 1. Because of his abundant mercy has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. <clears throat> for an inheritance which is incorruptible, which is kept for you in heaven, who are kept by the power of God, even though for a little while, if necessary, you are going through manifold trials and temptations. First Peter chapter 1 was rich in his mercy. So what has happened? He heard the word of God. So what did, what did Enoch hear? He heard the word of God. That if I continue in this life, this is, that's the reason why it says, repentance from dead works is what NKJV will use. And you know, NIV says, repentance from acts that lead to death. In other words, it doesn't matter whatever act I'm doing, ultimately I'm going to die. This fellow is going to get, going to get entertained. He's going to get, uh, he's going to enjoy pleasures of this world. He's going to take drugs. He's going to take alcohol. He's going to do all kinds of things and he's going to die. This fellow, he's going to do all kinds of good things. He's going to give to the poor. He's going to be a righteous fellow and this fellow also will go to hell. This guy goes to hell. This guy goes to hell. Both of them go to hell because all these acts are leading you to what? Death. Because nobody can fulfill the standards of God at any time. That is the reason why, you know what, <laughs> what uh, Job says? I, I don't have a mediator who's going to take me and who's going to fight my case and bring my case to God and say, you know what, he's innocent. I don't have. Therefore, there is only one mediator between God and man. Who's that, who's that person? The Man, Christ Jesus, he hears the word. Second times, he what does he do? He believes in him. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears the word <coughs> and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and has and shall not come into judgment, but has what? Passed from death to life. What has hap- what happened to Enoch? He was translated from death to life. How? By hearing the word. By believing in him who sent sent him and he will not come into judgment. He has escaped judgment and therefore he has passed from death to life. Understand? So what is this believing? How do you believe? Because even demons believe and they tremble. But what is uh, believing actually uh, encompass is something which will be familiar with us again in uh, Jonah's gospel chapter 3. Yes, this is the gospel I'm going to do Jonah by the way. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. So what? Two hoots. A three-day journey in extent. So what? It will be overthrown. Whatever you <laughs> you you erected for yourselves. All the universities, all these big, big financial institutions, all these institutions that you have, which you are so proud of, will be overthrown. How many days? 40 days. And he cried out the very first day. He didn't even wait for three days journey. First day. Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. What did they hear? They hear they hear the word of God. What did they hear about? They hear, heard about what? Judgment. 
You see, that is the reason why we don't have genuine conversions. Many, many genuine conversions are very, 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 uh, oh, you know what? I was going through a lot of problems. God came to me. Jesus Christ saved all my problems. But did he save you from your sin? No. He saved me from my problems and I will have more problems because I'm continuing in my sin. This healing, conversions, they're all good. But I'm not against all these things. But if you have not been converted from those things which are causing you death, this is how you die. You're not dealing with the issue as to why you die. People die because of sickness. Tell me, how many? How, how do people die? Because of sickness? Any other way people die? Because of accidents? In other words, people die because of accidents. No, no, no. no. People die in accidents because of sin. In other words, if there is no sin, there will be no accidents. Can you believe that? I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> if there is no sin, <laughs> there will be no accident. And therefore, there will be no deaths. Think about that. Okay. Put that in your spiritual pipes and smoke it. Okay. Food for thought. All right. And Jonah began to enter the city and he, and he spoke about judgment. If you do this, you will die. Yeah. If you, that's what, that's what he says. You are made whole. You are made whole. Go and sin no more. Otherwise, something worse will happen to you. You know why you have this problem? It's because of your sin. Healing is okay. But healing should should uh, lead you to confession. If any man is unwell, let him call the elders of the church and they will put the anointing oil and the prayer and they will pray and the prayer of the faith will, will, will heal him. If he has committed any sins, what should he do? He will be forgiven. How will he be forgiven? Confess your faults one to another so that you may be made whole or you may be, you may be saved from salvation. The word for uh, uh, healing is saved. means you'll be actually saved from the reason as to why you have sickness. And why do you have sickness most of the time? is because of disobedience. What is the reason why? If you disobey, God will judge you. How does God judge you? Most of the times God judges us. First thing I think, I believe that he will send financial problems. Okay, many believers will suffer financial problems. Okay. <laughs> I was there, one among them. Okay, uh, Why I disobeyed God? God will allow financial problems. Second, He will allow relationship problems. Okay. And if you, if you continue not to uh, learn from your lesson, third, He will allow sickness. If you continue in your path of disobedience, finally, death. That is the reason why he says, because you have not judged yourself and you have taken the, taken part of the, of the, of the bread, of the table of the Lord in an unworthy manner. Many, many of you are what? Weak, sick, and some of you have fallen asleep. Okay. I'm not saying not all financial problems are because of that. I'm saying so many difficulties. God will allow. He will allow to teach us lessons. But we have to cry out to God during those times. Amen. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. What happened to Nineveh? So the people of Nineveh, they believed. You see that? You heard, he who hears these words of mine and believes who? Not the messenger. The person who sent the messenger. Right? That is the reason why when you receive the word of God, word, word from us, you did not receive it as for the word of man, but you received it as it were 
in truth the word of God which has got the power to work in those who believe. That means it is not my word. This is not, this is what I'm putting forth on the screen on, on a PowerPoint. It is not my word. It is the word of God. And if you believe and you obey, it has got the power to work in you. If I believe and I obey, it has got the power to work in me. If I preach and I don't believe, <laughs> it will not work in me. But if I preach and you believe, you, it will work in you. Because it's not my word, it is a person who sent these words is important. My words have no power. God's word, backed up by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, has a power. So the people of Nineveh believed in God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth and the, from the greatest to the least. Next verse, verse 6, what does it say? Then the word, what is the word? That 40 days, Nineveh will be overthrown, reach the king. And what did he do? He arose from his throne, laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes, and he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying. So what has happened now? If you believe in your heart, what should you do next? You should confess you with your mouth. What should you confess? Look at what he, what he, what he confesses. It's powerful. The confession of uh, this man is powerful, of the king. Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. That means this is basically humbling yourself uh, by fasting. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. That is what we call as a repentance because it is turning. Who can tell if God will relent and turn? In other words, God is not obligated just because you repented. Lord, I turned from my repentance. Uh, now you have to show mercy. No. 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 Who are you to presume upon the goodness of God? He will show mercy. Maha. And he will harden whom he has to harden. Okay. Perhaps God will return. So that is the reason why he says uh, in Romans chapter 2, do you presume upon the goodness and the mercy of God not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? It is. Why are you repenting? It is because of the goodness of God. So this is what he says, who can tell if God will turn and relent? We never presume upon the goodness of God. That is the reason why we don't test God. How much I can sin? What are the edges I can go so that I will not tempt myself and tempt God? Don't test me. We tell our children, right? Don't test me. Sin number one, sin number two, sin number three, sin number four. After that, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger that we may not perish. So what does he do next? Next verse. Then God saw their works. You see that? Faith without works is dead. That they turned from their evil way and God relented from the disaster that he had said that he would bring upon them and he did not. What did he see? He saw their works and what did he do? That, what did he say especially? That they turned from the evil way. So the question is, what is evil way? What is evil way? Isaiah will talk about evil way. Isaiah chapter 53. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned to our own way. By turning away to our own way, what is it? what are we doing? We are committing what? Iniquity. 
So what is evil? Doing our own thing. Which may not be necessarily good, I mean, necessarily bad, but it is doing our own thing. Look at it again, Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 19, powerful verses again. Your own wickedness will correct you. Your own backslidings will rebuke you. Know therefore and see that it is an evil and bitter thing that you have forsaken the Lord your God and the fear of me is not in you. And what is, how do you know that you are evil? Because you do not have the fear of God. You do anything and everything and you will never factor that God is there inside of it. He's watching. The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and he's also beholding the good. You behave in a, in a way that you do not factor God that is watching you and weighing you. You know what? There is no fear of God in your eyes. You speak things. That is the reason why it says in Malachi chapter 3 verse 16. Those who feared God spoke to one another and a book of remembrance. That means even in the way that you speak, you will see, you will see whether you have the fear of God or not. How do you know that you have the fear of God? The way that you speak. The way that you speak to one another. Whether you're speaking about somebody or not speaking about somebody. This is so important for us to realize, my dear brothers and sisters. Okay. Fear of God. Fear of God. Right? It is through the fear of God, men depart from evil. And how do we perfect holiness? In the fear of God. By laying every, every filth of the spirit and of the flesh, and we perfect holiness in the fear of God. See, if gratitude is the pathway to holiness, unthankful, unholy, right? Remember, if gratitude is the pathway to holiness, how do we perfect holiness? In the fear of the Lord. Gratitude is only the pathway to holiness. We are grateful. But how do we perfect holiness? Yes, we praise Him. We adore Him. But we also rever Him. And we fear Him. That is the reason why all those who receive the word, they continued in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers and what, what came upon them. And great fear came upon them. One of the most important ingredients to, 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 uh, to test ourselves that we are people who have, who have been translated from darkness to light is to see how much of the fear of the Lord is there inside of our hearts. It's very important to understand those things. Okay, don't take don't don't take things lightly. Don't you fear God? That's exactly what happens, bro. Uh, remember the two 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 um, people who are I mean two thieves who are hanging on uh, either either side of the cross. And this guy starts reviling Jesus, and what does the other person say? Don't you fear God? We are suffering justly and He is suffering uh, unjustly. Don't you fear God? In other words, you are dying, you are in the last stages of your life and you still don't have the fear of God. <laughs> you don't fear God. Even in the last stages of your life, you still do not have the fear of God. You see? That is the reason why come my children and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. It has to be taught. And what are we teaching? We are teaching to ourselves and to all of us, the fear of God. It is very, very important. It is through the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. And what did Jesus delight in? In the fear of the Lord. The word for delight is smelt. Wherever there was no aroma of the fear of the Lord, he he was not even there in, the, in our presence. Okay. He was quick. He delighted himself in the fear of the Lord. He was, he was, he was filled with the Spirit. And one of the aspects of the, of the fact that you are filled with the Spirit, one of the dimensionalities is that you fear God. There is an expression in your life. The, the, the way you act, the way you behave, the way you speak, the way you spend money, the way you spend time, the way you spend your secret life, 
you know through all the decisions that you are making in secret whether you fear God or not. Important. Okay? So that is how you know that they believed God. Okay? And they trusted him who sent his, sent the message. And what had happened? They escaped the judgment and they passed from death to life. And now how do you know that you have actually passed from death to life? There should be an expression. I have received so much of forgiveness from God. So what do you do? Look at what. How do you know therefore in, in the daily affairs of your life that you have indeed passed from death to life? 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3 verse 13 onwards. Do not marvel my brothers if the world hates you. Okay? Do not marvel. Are you? Why oh, are they hating me? Don't marvel. You should be surprised if they don't hate you. That is the reason why he says, woe to those people whom the world loves. That's exactly what they did to the false prophets and the false apostles. And blessed are those peoples whom the world hates. That's exactly what they did to the true prophets and the true apostles. Including Isaiah. Sawn into two. Okay. So do not marvel. Are you? Why is the world hating me? What am I doing to them? Nothing. But still they hate you. They hate you without a cause. That's like, that's the, that is the reason why you should understand. One of the reasons why you, you, you know that you are a believer when they hate you without a cause. Not with a cause. They hate you without a cause. Look what it says. Do not marvel my brothers if the world hates you. Verse 14. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brothers. How do we love our brothers? By forgiving them. By extending forgiveness to them. That's exactly what God tells, I mean, Solomon tells Shimei. You passed the Kidron Valley and you are in Jerusalem. You know what has happened? You have passed from death to life. From the Kidron Valley into Jerusalem, you have passed from death to life. Now stay here. In other words, stay in an environment where you are taught Peace. Jerusalem meaning teaching which will lead you to peace. Which will teach you how to be in at peace with God and how to pursue peace with all men. You have to peace with God by pursuing holiness with God. How do you pursue peace with peace with men? By extending forgiveness as much as possible inside of you. You know what it says? If you cross Jerusalem, your blood will be upon your own hands. In English, in Telugu, you know what it says? You will be your own advocate. That's the word, that's the word in Telugu. If you cross Jerusalem and you go on to the other side, Shimei, your dead meat, you will be your own advocate. As long as you are in Jerusalem, I will be your advocate. I will guard your life. What do you want? Choose. Powerful words. <laughs> that means you will be the advocate to yourself. Okay. In other words, you come back from Kidron, you passed the Kidron Valley and you now you try to come back into Jerusalem. I will call you to account and who's going to be your advocate? You have to state your case. Rest your case and prove to me that you're innocent. If you would mark iniquities, who can stand before you? So three years, he stays in Jerusalem. And what has happened after three years? Who runs away from his house? Servants. 
That's exactly, you know exactly whether you are living and extending forgiveness to others by the way you treat those people who are weaker in your home and weakest them, especially your, your maids and those people who are dependent upon you. Okay, I, I likewise yesterday was, I was talking to pastor and he was, and he, and he got a call from sister Elsa. Can you please book the gas? And I said, pastor, it's very easy to book gas, uh, very simple. You just have to go to phone pay and, and, uh, and if you can pay it off and immediately the gas comes, you don't even have to worry about it. And he said, no, Vijay, I do it. You know why? Because I want to give them some bakshish. You know what bakshish is, right? I want to give them a tip, tip. And those, those people are poor people. And, uh, and if you pay it off online, maybe, uh, they will not get, uh, their cut. And I don't want to do that. Oh, because they are poor, poor people after all. See, this is what extending forgiveness is. You have a, you have a grateful heart. You're so thankful for the way God has dealt with you. 10,000 talents I owed God and I would never be able to pay it back. <coughs> okay. And what has happened? This fellow owes you 10 dinari and you put him in prison. We know that we passed from death to life in the way we love our brothers. And how do we love our brothers? Overlooking their faults and looking at their need. Look at, look at what it says. He who does not love his brother, where does he abide in? He abides in death. He stays in death. That's amazing. But what is Enoch? He's a type of a believer who's been translated. See, nobody walked with Enoch. Enoch walked with God. Nobody walked with Enoch. But one thing, one, one thing for sure. He was having sons and daughters left, right and center. Okay. That's what it says. 300 years, I don't know how many sons and daughters he had. <laughs> One per year, let's say. Okay, let's see. Two per year, we don't know what the rate of uh, production was. So, we let, But he was having sons and daughters. It means he was having a normal, regular family life and he was following God. In other words, you don't have to be a sant and give up Brahmachari, to become a brahmacharya. Brahmacharya, you know what brahmacharya is, right? Brahmachari. Brahmachari means who has uh, given up Samsara means he has given up his family life and now he has become a saint and he's, and he says, I'm for you. No, 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 no. He was not living like that. He was having his regular family life and he was also walking with God. And how can you walk with God unless you agree with God? One thing. That means you have to pursue holiness with God. And how should you do? You have to pursue peace who are with those, with those who are in your household. And how does you, how do you pursue peace? By constantly keep on extending forgiveness. I forgive you. Whether you forgive me or not, it's your headache. I am not, I'm not bothered about that. Okay. And what has happened? If you do that, you are abiding in life. Otherwise you are abiding in death. That is the reason why how we deal with those people who are very, very weak. What you have done to the least of these, my, Brothers, you have done it to me. Come to everlasting life. Comes to, come to everlasting death. Because you, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. And when I was in prison, you visited me. Lord, when were you hungry? When were you thirsty? When were you in prison? As much as you have done to least of these, my brothers, you have done it unto me. You see that? Whoever hates his brother, hates his brother, is a murderer. So you don't even have to murder. If you hate, that's enough. Your murder is, takes different, different connotations these days. You can go to media. You can use internet. Slander people's name. You can do a lot of things. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Has no 
murderer has what? Eternal life abiding in him. That is the reason why he says, if you are angry with your brother without a cause, what, has it, what have you done? You have already murdered him in your heart. And if you call him some raka, you are in danger of counsel, etc. And in danger of hellfire. Let's progressive again. So, how do you know that you have, uh, that you are, uh, that you passed from uh, death to life? The way you treat those people who are under you and uh, do you have a lifestyle of extending and receiving forgiveness? You have to extend forgiveness. We also have to humble ourselves and ask for forgiveness. Okay, we have to. That is, that's, it's, it's, it's a given. It is impossible that offenses don't come. Right? Right? Sometimes we overlook. I mean, it's okay because we are brothers, etc. Fine, fine. But sometimes we have to go and apologize. We have to receive and ask for forgiveness. And we have to also give forgiveness. Don't say, okay, don't take a high stand and say, oh, now I'll, okay, I'll make you, what is it? I'll be, I'll play hard to get, huh? Yeah, I'll play hard to get. If you play hard to get, God will also play hard to get. Okay. For those who give mercy, will also Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Right? Remember? Amen. 1 John chapter 3. Again. By this we know love. Bah! Kya baat hai? By this we know love. As if love is a person. <laughs> By this we know love. Because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. And this is 1 John 3.16. Not John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Praise God. 1 John chapter 3 verse 16 Because he loved us and he laid down his life for us we also ought to lay down our life for our brothers. That is very difficult. No, What do you think? Should behave like a doormat? No. Look at what he says. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him. That's exactly what happens in, in Deuteronomy. He says, you know what? Year of Jubilee is coming. And you know that your brother is, uh, brother is, uh, what do you say, uh, in need. And you know if you pay, the, uh, if you give him money as a, as a debt, and if the year of Jubilee comes, you have to forgive the entire debt. Okay. First year, if he asks, it's okay. If he asks sixth year, no, 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 no. Year of Jubilee is very near. In one year you will be able, you will be able to repay. No, 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 no. I'm not going to give you death. And if, if, and you know what you do? You shut your heart because the year of Jubilee is coming. You know what will happen to that brother? He will come and cry out. But you have to give with all your heart to your brother, not fearing the year of Jubilee. You know why? One day Jubilee is coming. And the Lord God will prosper you in everything that you do. You see, those who water others will they themselves be watered is a principle of the spirit. It is a law of the spirit which can never be broken. And you should say Amen. Because we Gultis are very good at receiving but not very good at giving. I'm telling you honestly. (laughs) Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. But giving? Very difficult. I'm telling you, we are pusillanimous, parsimonious. Go and check the dictionary and get convicted, okay? <laughs> pusillanimous and parsimonious. <laughs> we are actually like the British. 
we are not like the americans americans live life king size you have to go to america baba everything is big <laughs> because i have a big heart <laughs> i'm honestly i'm telling you i go to america everything big supermarket big counters everything big 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 homes two people living big suvs one fellow one 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 fellow driving everything is big <laughs> that's how they give also right i'm telling you honestly you know my 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 sister in law and his family uh, they they her family they immigrated to canada the other day okay uh for first 15 there was a struggling they were not able to get an apartment because they had to have a credit history and how can you have a credit history because if you are a if you are a recent immigrant struggle 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 finally they got uh, he got a reference letter from his employer and his employer gave him a gave him a, a, a reference i mean what is that surety etc surety letter etc and saying that his employee employed with me this was his salary etc and finally after several days they got an apartment and it's an absolutely empty apartment nothing to sleep upon okay cold floors already okay and then you know what after 15 days they went to church because they finally they found a church and they went to the church and the moment they went to the church i'm telling you you know what we they said you know for 15 days it's, it's been 15 days and we just found an apartment the entire church came together pots pans quilts blankets mattresses free ride to home how everybody i mean it was just a normal thing for them to do and i have seen that in in north america okay especially now i have seen this they just come together and they start helping you know because they understood the gospel that's exactly what paul tells uh, uh, to, to to philemon philemon this guy you now onesimus he was a slave now he is your brother now he is going to come back to you i know one day he was actually uh, unprofitable to you but now he is profitable to me and to you and if he owes you anything late upon my charge think about it he was literally playing the life of christ i mean he was imitating the life of christ late upon my charge but don't forget one thing that you owe my that you owe me your own life because i brought salvation into your life through through through, through, the, through by pre- preaching the gospel because if we have shared spiritual things with you don't we have the right to take to to share earthly things from you absolutely that's a principle that's a principle you see how do you know that your pastor that's the reason enoch is a type of a believer who is holding the goods that god gave him very loosely he's not he does he's not grasping it leech has only two words what is it give me give me jalaga immu immu in telugu give me give me it's a sucker <laughs> basically <laughs> and we don't want to be suckers in the kingdom we want to be what we want to hold things that's the reason why even prosperity why do we have prosperity why does god give prosperous so that we become stewards and not owners we don't own it we're only stewards everything that god gives us it is only stewardship it is not our own our money is not our own though oh i worked so hard and i earned so much of money no you didn't earn it god gave you even the power to earn wealth if you would, if 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 it if it were not for the mercy of god you would have been in the hospital and paying all the money that you earned for the hospital bills but it was the mercy of god which gave you health which gave you strength which gave you intelligence which gave you the degree whatever the degrees that you have obtained 
And what are you supposed to do? Honor God with the resources that God has given you. That is the reason why it says, Honor God with your substance and with the first fruits of all your increase so that your vats will be filled with the brim, filled to the brim and your granaries, I mean, your granaries, granaries will, will be filled with the brim and your vats will overflow with new wine. Honor the Lord with your substance. How do you honor God? By helping the body of Christ. That is the reason why. Do not do not grow weary in doing good for in due season you will repay if you do not lose heart as much as you have shown kindness to the body of Christ. Continue to show that kindness. That's what he's saying. Because you are people who have been recipients of God's mercy. You, How do you know therefore you have been translated from death to life in that how do you uh, deal with those people who are weak in the body of Christ. I'm telling you, you know, within within my sister and they were shocked. They've been in church in India <laughs> for several years. And they went there and they said, boy, what is what is this? The culture there. And we only say, oh, doctor, doctor. Oh, okay, doctor, great. But what should doctor do? Ultimately, doctor has to lead to a life. Okay. Pastor came home. Their home is furnished within few days with whatever they need. Bare, bare necessities at least, minimally. Amazing. You see? So, you know, this is a principle. This is a principle. It says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1 and 2. Let brotherly love continue. What is that? Let brotherly love continue. Not just showing once. Oh, once I gave. Hmm. It let it continue. Everybody say continue. Ah, continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers. The word for entertaining strangers is one word in the Hebrew. Philoxeno. Philoxeno meaning loving a stranger. Loving the alien. Xeno means alien. Foreigner. Xenophobia means fear of strangers. That's exactly the reason why we have, when you go to North America also, we have Telugu Church of Boston. Telugu Church of Boston. Praise God. Martha Mite Mallu Church of Philadelphia. Philadelphia means brotherly love. And what are you guys? We will not allow strangers to come. They fear us, we fear them, we maintain distance, one arm distance from them, and we get along famously. Okay. Fellow Xeno. Filio, filio xeno, meaning love the stranger. Entertain, not just entertaining means don't show them videos and no, 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 that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about loving them, being hospitable to them, opening your home to them. For by doing so, what have they done? They have unwittingly entertained angels. You know what angels means? You're not, we're not talking about angels. Angel means messenger, Right? Angel of of the church in Sardis means what? The the pastor in the church in Sardis is a messenger. You know what? Every one of you is a messenger of Christ. Think honestly, no. If it not if it were not for Christ, Sammy and Peter, the kind of love that we have between us, is it possible? Impossible. You know it's God. And the dimensions that they get. The message of Christ through them, an expression of Christ through them. The, the angel means messenger. The message of Christ through a stranger gives us a revelation of Christ. You know, for example, Dr. Richard, believer in Christ. Sammy, believer in Christ, brother in Christ. Sister Rachel, 
believer in Christ. Just imagine that Sister Rachel goes on a trip. Who's, who's missing? She's missing. We think that we'll get more time with one another. Okay. We'll get, we think that we'll get more time. We don't actually don't get more time with one another. We'll get less of Christ from one another. You know why? The dimensionality of Christ that she can express, only she can give. Nothing else. Nobody else can give. But when she's gone, we get less of Christ and not more of each other. What the gift that you have and the expression of Christ you have, it is unique in you. And when I lose that, I lose Christ, a part of him. That is the reason why when churches break, everybody loses. Okay? Understand? Mm-hmm. <laughs> why? Why ultimately Galatians chapter 5 verse 6 will say, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. I'm telling you honestly, we all have big time xenophobia. We are Don Quixote. You know what Don Quixote is? The one who, the first, the story of Don Quixote was the worst word time. When I was reading the story of Don Quixote, the first time xenophobia came. Uh, that's the first time I learned the word, what, what xenophobia. Phobia means fear. Xeno means stranger. Fear of strangers. We all fear strangers. And we want to maintain, and we are only comfortable with those people who, who are not strange, who are like, just like us. Birds of the same feather flock together. <laughs> you see? <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So fellowship is so important there for us. It's, we all are breaking those things. We all have those barriers in our minds. Okay. Engineers won't only have to have engineer brothers, no? <laughs> what will you do with engineer brothers? You can make a robot. That's all you can do. <laughs> Nothing else. Okay. And the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Everything else is external. It doesn't have any value. It doesn't have any value. I like that. It doesn't have any value. What has value? It has faith has value because faith is a currency of the of the of the new covenant of a believer of the old covenant as well. Faith is a is a currency of the believer, and through faith, what do you do? You express love. Amen. All right. One day, if you continue to do that, you know what it says, Matthew chapter sixteen. For the Son of Man will come in the glory of His Father and His angels and then He will reward each one according to your works. Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. How do we do that? Why will we not taste death? Why will we not taste death? Because we love our brothers and we have expressed Gratitude to, to God in that he ensured us that we are translated from death to life by forgiving us our sins and bringing us from the power of darkness to the power of uh, his son, the, to the kingdom of his son, even though we, didn't, we did not deserve it. And because we received mercy from God, we continue to extend mercy to our other brothers. Amen? Let's move on. Second, Romans chapter 5. <clears throat> How do we know that we have passed from Death to life. You should know. Is it possible for us to know? Absolutely. Otherwise, Christianity is only one dream. It is possible for us to know. We can have, we can collect empirical data from the laboratory called our own life. 
to see whether we have passed from death to life. For if by one man's offense, it says in Romans chapter 5 verse 17, if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So in Adam, everybody dies. And death reigned in Adam. But we are not in Adam. Now because of by faith, we are, because we put our trust in Jesus Christ, and not in our own righteousness, because of his righteousness, we have passed from death to life. So how do we know that we have passed from death to life? There's one thing which say the word, what is this? Reign. We rule. How do we reign? How do we rule? See, kings rule by decree. How do we, the kings in new covenant, rule? Important, 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 important question. Important question. Important question. How do we uh, rule? See, the king says, you have to obey me. That is how he rules. Am I right? But how do we rule? Hmm, Let's see. Moreover, the law entered that offense might abound, but where sin abound, grace abound, abounded much, uh, abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ. Okay? So we are under, no longer under law, but under grace. So how do we reign? It says, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. So, if we are reigning, what are we practicing? Obedience. It's a, it's a contrast. It's, it's a kind of a paradox. See, if I'm reigning, others have to obey. <laughs> no, 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 no. If I'm reigning, I obey God. And that means I do not, lo- I no longer live for myself. I obey God. So, if I have to obey, if I have to reign, something has to happen to me. If I have to really, really practice obedience, something has to happen to me. And if you have been in GDC, I want to ask you this question. If you want to obey, what should happen to you? You should learn to do something. Thank you so much. Hebrews chapter 5. Kya baat hai? You're right on the money. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 5. Look at what it says in verse chapter, in verse number 7. Who in the days of his flesh, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered a prayer, this is talking about Jesus, right? When he has offered a, a prayer, because through one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Through one man's obedience, many would be made righteous. Many would be made righteous means all those people who believe in him will be made righteous. Therefore, <clears throat> we are called not to disobedience. We are called to obedience. When he had offered up prayers with supplications, with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from what? That means what? If he was saved from death, that means we will also be saved from death. That means what? Enoch was translated from death to life. How was he translated? Because he was heard because of his godly fear or reverent submission. Therefore, we also submit to God. How do we submit to God? There is something which which is mentioned over here. Uh, By offering up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears. Jesus Christ cried to keep him from sin. Right? So that Lord, I'm tempted, but I will not sin. He was tempted in every way, but yet he did not sin. But what do we do? 
weak hai because we are convicted of our sin and we want to overcome sin. Okay, I want to give you an example. There was a preacher in Scotland, Robert Murray McKenney. How many of you have heard his name? Anybody heard his name? Okay, you heard his name. Robert Murray McKenney, who was the was the architect, if you will, of the of uh, the revival in Scotland. Mac, meaning whenever you see Mac, MacDonald, Macbeth, Mac is, uh, is is Scottish. Okay, it's a Scottish name. O Henry, O is Irish. Hmm. Shognessy. Okay. O Shognessy, O Henry. Oh, these are all these are all Irish names. Mac is Scottish name. Okay. Robert Murray McKenney. He was he was the architect of uh, the the revival in Scotland, um, and uh, you know uh, uh, he only lived for I think uh, very he was a he, he died early in his life. Okay, I think by the time he was thirty five or forty, he passed away. But there was a revolution in I mean revolution or reformation or transformation uh, that happened in Scotland, and uh, histor- I mean church historians from America they f- they came to Scotland. They wanted to. Uh, uh, you know, uh, record the testimony of uh, Robert Murray McKenney because they heard about the revival that happened in Scotland, and they went to his church and they uh, came to this uh, to this church and there was this uh, uh, the guy who was the gatekeeper, and they started asking questions to everybody. We wanted to know. We wanted to know about. We want to know about Robert Murray McKenney. Do you have a testimony of, about 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 him? And um, uh, and he said, Yeah, yeah, we do have a test. I have a fired up testimony about him. Let me show you what he did all the time. So that he took him to the vestry. You know what a vestry is, right? Vestry is a place where the, the pastor prepares himself before he comes to the pulpit. Okay. You go to mainline churches, you find a vestry. So he t- took him to the vestry of the church. And in that vestry, there was a stool and there was a chair and an open book, the book, the Bible, which Robert Murray used to read. And uh, the guy said, I used to see this man daily studying here reading his book and all I could see when he was reading his book and he was studying was tears used to come from his eyes. And that is the reason why a revival happened. So he'd ask this guy, please come and sit. Start reading. Let me see if you cry. Tears are not coming out. That is the reason why there is no revival. He said. Second thing he did, he took him to the church. And took him to the pulpit. He used to preach the word of God. And whenever he used to preach the word of God. All the time that was to come. All the time he would preach the word with such burden. He would have tears in his eyes. People would see the burden. They would see the love of God. They would see the mercy of God. They would see the righteousness of God through his tears. And they would, get, they would repent. They said you also start preaching. Do you preach with tears in your eyes? He said no. That is the reason why there is no revival. And look at some of the statements that Robert Murray McHoney makes powerful statements, okay? Powerful statements. A man cannot be a faithful minister until he preaches Christ for Christ's sake. Until he gives up striving to attract people to himself and seeks only to attract them to Christ. You just have to hang our heads in shame for a few few minutes. Again, another word. Another quotation from Robert Murray McKinney. The Christian is a person who makes it easy for the others to believe in God. <laughs> I like that. Christian is a person who makes it easy for others to believe in God. Another one. Another one of his statements. This is possibly the most, one of the most powerful statements he makes. Self-righteousness is the largest idol of the human heart. Self-righteousness is the largest idol of the human heart. The idol which, make, which man loves most and God hates most. What do you do? You hang on to your self-righteousness. That's exactly what happened to, for, to, to, to Job, no? He loved his righteousness. I mean, he loved it. 
And God had to send him through tremendous suffering to break the power of self-righteousness. Okay. Dearly beloved, you will always be going back to this idol. You are always trying to be something in yourself. To gain God's favor by thinking a little of your sin. Or by looking at your repentance, tears or prayers. your fra- uh, or, or by looking to your religious exercises, your frames, etc. Or by looking to your graces, the spirits working in your heart. Beware of false Christs. Study sanctification to the utmost, but make not Christ of it. Study sanctification to the utmost, but do not make Christ of it. Christ is not sanctification. Christ has become for a sanctification. Don't replace Christ with sanctification is what he's saying. Remarkable. Depth. You see, these people are deep. Huh? How did they preach? How did they pray? With vehement cries and, and tears. And he's not talking about cries and crying in public. He's talking about crying in, in private. Crying when you know that you've fallen short of the glory of God. Many weep. But they are not huh, forgiven. God says all those are crocodile tears. But some weep. And their weeping and their tears are genuine. Okay. Amen. So what did he do? With vehement cries and tears who is able to save him from death. Do we have a question as we need to ask ourselves. Lord, how, when was the last time when we went to the prayer closet we were having tears and vehement cries? should convict us. Hmm? And then it says, again, though he was a son, what did he do? Yet he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Okay. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to to those who obey him. You see that? To those who obey him. There's an obedience that comes from faith. There's a sanctification that comes from faith by obeying the truth. Having been sanctified unto a sincere love to your brethren through the obedience to the truth, he says in First Peter chapter 1. Hmm? It's obedience. Obedience. How do we know that we are passed from death to life? By looking at our lifestyle of obedience or what we call a submission. How do we learn submission? Through the things that we suffer. That means you have to have a mind for what? Suffering. Right? Not for, what do you say, comfort. No, not for pampering, but for suffering. I, I, it's interesting, no? The diaper's name are Pampers. I, I like that. <laughs> Even Pampers teaches us a lesson. Babies like to be pampered in their excrement. That's what it means. Pampers are also called Huggies. The diaper's name in India is Pampers and Huggies. Be comfortable in your excrement. After that, would you learn a lesson? No, 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 no. We have to change the diaper, that's all. We have to pamper you more. One of the biggest, uh, I mean, uh, what do you say? If you want to budget your income when you have, when you have babies... See the amount of money you spend on pampers. Am I right? I know. <laughs> I used to hunt <laughs> all the places to get the bulk <laughs> with the least, I mean, with the maximum discount online, what have you, to buy pampers and huggies. 
what kind of a mind do we have? Mind to be pampered or a mind to suffer? A mind to fast or a mind to feast? That is the reason why he says, what did you go into the wilderness to see? Right from the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God suffers what? Violence. And the violent take it by force. That means they practice a lifestyle of obedience in the presence of opposition. There's nothing which is, uh, which is, which is conducive. There's no, there's no environment conducive for obedience and yet they obey. That's the point. Mm-hmm. We want, have a mindset to be, to be pampered. No, 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 no. A mindset to suffer. How we like to be pampered, no? No, spoil yourself with what? With so much of chocolate? Spoil yourself with so much of food? That's exactly what it, what we do. And what was, uh, the, 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 the diet of John the Baptist? Locusts and wild honey. Have you tried it? Combination? Yes, sir. It's good? No, 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 no. <laughs> By the way, locust is kosher. You know that? In the law, the provision was made, was made years in advance for John the Baptist. Because he has to be a man in the law, under the law, and a man under the law cannot eat, cannot eat anything non-kosher. So God said, he will eat locusts and wild honey. For the sake of John the Baptist, we will call locusts clean. All the other insects, unclean. Can you imagine? Locusts and wild honey. Locust protein, wild honey, carb. Carbohydrates and protein. These are the two diets that he enjoyed. I don't know what, what he used for uh, uh, fiber. We don't know. But that's okay. That's besides the point. I think fiber was not needed for him. Everything was provided in these two. Hmm? So, by the things that we suffer, do we have a stomach for suffering? Pursuit of pleasure, avoidance of pain. That is the motto of our life, no? <laughs> okay. We are heirs together with Christ. If we indeed suffer with him, then I'll tell you something. I was talking about three kinds of people who search the scriptures, right? One people who search, I mean who are lazy to search. Lazy, very, very, very lazy. Second people, second type of second kind of people, those people who actually search and don't find Christ. They have all kinds of higher criticism, lower criticism, upper criticism, down criticism, etc. All criticism only. <laughs> and no finding Christ. The third category of people is people who search and find Christ. There is also another fourth category of people. These people search, find Christ. They know Christ, but they don't have a stomach to suffer. Why? They go to the promised land. Yes. And what do they say? Indeed, it is a, it is a land which is flowing off with, with milk and honey. But... But, what is there? Who is there? The, Anna, the Canaanites are there, the Perizzites are there, the Hevites are there, the Jebusites are there. We have to overcome all these heights to possess this. Baba, we don't have the stomach to suffer. They found Christ. They found the life of Christ, but they don't have the stomach to suffer at all. You know why? Because they were pampered in the wilderness. They didn't suffer. They didn't have the stomach to suffer. See? That is the reason why when the two disciples are going to Emmaus, oh, we were thinking that this man, who is it? He's a stranger. 
Who's he? Christ is a stranger to you until and unless you have the stomach to suffer. And you know, he is, we were hoping that he is going to be the restorer of Israel. We were thinking that he is going to be the Messiah. And he says, and you know what Jesus says, Oh, you foolish ones, to believe what the apostles have pro- and the prophets have already spoken, should not have Christ suffered first and then entered into glory and then beginning with Moses and the Psalms and the prophets, he opened up Christ to them and then they said, boy, now we didn't understand because we do not have the we do not have the stomach to suffer and therefore we will not find Christ unless until we have the stomach to suffer. My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Not to be pampered. And if you're being pampered, you should say, Lord, why am I being pampered? <laughs> <laughs> if I, I'll be, I'm, I'm being pampered because I'm a baby. I'm a baby. Babies want to get pampered. The moment you sit, they want to be rocked. Right? I know, Abigail, no? My goodness, I used to hold her. Rocker, 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 slowly. I would sit. She would know the difference in altitude. Center of gravity is already estimated and calculated the difference in altitude and said, I'm not comfortable here. Eh? Do they care about the sufferings of the parents? No. Babies like to be pampered. And you have to do this, 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 this. All the night. It doesn't matter. You don't sleep. They don't care. They have to be pampered. They have internal gyroscopes. They know the altitude and the attitude. Okay. So you have to hold them like this. And rock them. If you hold them like this, that is the attitude. You're standing. Attitude is there. But the attitude is wrong. They have six degree of freedom. Sensors. <laughs> and how far from the fan? How close to the fan? Etc. All these parameters they know. Otherwise they will come. You see that is babies. They don't have the stomach to suffer. They want to be pampered. Amen. We don't want to be a people who don't have the stomach to suffer. So, by the things which he suffered, he learned obedience. Therefore, how do we learn obedience? Not by the things that we are pampered with. (laughs) When God allows suffering to come into our lives. And notwithstanding the opposition, we choose to submit and surrender to the purposes of God. That is the reason why it says in 1 Peter chapter 4. Look at what it says. 1 Peter chapter 4. Let's read that together for the 2775th time. Okay. Or to the 27,750th time. I don't know how many times we mentioned this in different, different contexts. For as much that as Christ hath suffered in the flesh. You see that? Arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he who hath suffered from in the flesh has ceased from sin. Meaning what? As Adam fell into sin by disobeying, we go into righteousness by obeying. But how do we do that? By suffering in the flesh. By How do we suffer in the flesh? By arming ourselves with the same mind. That we no longer should live the rest of the time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. So how do we obey? When we fulfill the will of God in our lives. When do we obey? When we fulfill the will of God. Everybody say that. When we fulfill the will of God in our lives, we have actually perfected obedience. Otherwise we are not. And this is the will of God that you thank all the time. This is the will of God. Your sanctification. This is the will of God. If need be that you should suffer for righteousness sake. If this is the will of God. It is the will of God. 
All these are uh, the will of God. For all those who desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will happen. What, what will happen to them? Will suffer persecution. And did you understand that? Did you understand that? Have a stomach to suffer. Because what happens, that's exactly what happened to Esther. Esther, you are now in the palace. And Mordecai is fasting and praying. Oh, why are you fasting and praying, uncle? You don't have clothes? I will send you clothes. You don't have food? I will send you food. No, no, not uncle. Cousin. Cousin, no? Mordecai was Esther's cousin. Brother, why are you fasting and praying? Why are you, uh, uh, why are you mourning? You don't have clothes? You don't have money? Let me send you. No, 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 no. You know what has happened? The palace has pampered you, Esther. You have lost the stomach to suffer. Now you want to preserve your own life. Hmm? Look at what it says in Esther chapter 4. Mordecai told them to answer Esther, do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise from the Jews from another place. You know why? The purposes of God are not dependent upon your obedience or disobedience. It is up to you to fulfill the purposes of God for your life through your obedience or through your disobedience. Okay, but you and your father's house will perish, yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And when she heard these words, what did she do? Look at the next verse. Immediately she went into what we call as suffering mode. From pampering mode to suffering mode. Then Esther told Mother, okay, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for rebuking me, giving me a slap on my face. Thank you for rebuke. Everybody say, thank you for rebuke. Say that loudly. There's no stomach to say that. Thank you for rebuke. Thank you for those sly rebukes you give me. You, like sometimes, you know, pastor sends those rebukes in a very, very, uh, very, very, what do you call a euphemistic way. You use a lot of euphemisms and you have to decode that and say, oh, he's actually rebuking me. And Esther told them to reply, Mordecai, go gather all the Jews. Look at it. Now from what? From receiving instructions. I love that. From receiving instructions, she is now got into action mode now. What is it? She has now got the stomach to what we call as suffer, not to be pampered in the palace. Go gather all the Jews who are present in Sushan and fast for me. Let me tell, let me tell you something. You know that you have passed from death to life when you die to your flesh and when you live unto God. Understand? Understand that? You have passed from death to life. What is, that's the reason why three times the word, the word translation is used in the kingdom of, in, in, in the context of Enoch. He was translated when he believed in God for the first salvation. He was translated when he overcame sin. The power of sin, second. Third, he was translated when he overcame the presence of sin. Three translations. Three translations for every believer. You want to first overcome the penalty of sin. Second, you want to overcome the power of sin. And then when you overcome the penalty of sin, then the power of sin, the third translation that will happen to you, God will take you away from the presence of sin. If you have not done these two things, third thing is not possible. Do you see that? In the book of, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the passage concerning Enoch, uh, please you can go there if you don't mind. Uh, it's at, 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 I think the first, very first slide. <clears throat> uh, where is that? Hebrews chapter 11, is, this, uh, is that uh, slide number three? Sl- slide number three. Yeah? By faith Enoch was translated that he should not, he, that he should not see death 
and was not found because God had translated him and before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. So this, which is the most important translation, I'll tell you, this translation. For before his translation that he had his testimony that he pleased God, that is the most important translation. And how do you please God? Without faith it is impossible to please God. And those who live according to the flesh cannot please God. And only those people who die to the flesh and are alive in the spirit can please God. That means, if you want, if you know, truly know, if you really want to know that you have died to the flesh and you have passed from death to life, see how much of the sin you are overcoming in your life. And in order to overcome sin in your life, what should you have? you should have the stomach to what? Suffer. Did you get that? Everybody. Let's see that. Where is where is Madam Esther? Yeah. So, Esther chapter, this is uh, slide number 30. Yeah. Then Esther told them to reply to mother, go gather all the Jews who are present in Sushan and fast for me. You see, Enoch is the type of a believer who escaped the penalty, the power, and the presence. Do you understand? And only those people who escape the penalty and the power will be translated. The penalty of sin and the power of sin. A lot, lot of people who have escaped the penalty of sin have still not escaped the power of sin. Still, sin is ruling in their lives. Because they do not have the stomach to suffer, they have only the stomach to be pampered. Do you understand? Manisalayo, Arthaminda. Go gather all the Jews and who are present in Sushan and fast for me. Okay, what are you going to do? Feast? No, 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 no. no. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king which is against the law. I told you, you no, know, it is never going to be conducive. An environment is never going to be conducive for obedience. But you still obey. And what is she, what does she say? If I perish, I perish. I perish, then I know I perished because I did the right thing. And not because I did not do. Because if you know what is the right thing to do, and if you do not do that, do it, it is what? Sin. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther commanded him. And what did Mordecai do? He also gathered all the Jews. And he said, you know what? We are going to fast and pray. My 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 sister, she is in the palace. She is not being pampered over there, my dear brothers and sisters. She is also fasting and praying. And she is going to risk her life so that she can grant deliverance for us. That is the reason why it says in Romans chapter 14, we who are strong should be able to... Should, should be able to bear with the scruples of the weak because we are no longer supposed to live our lives for ourselves, but we have to live for the others because Christ also did not live for himself, but the reproaches of those who reproached him, who reproached them, fell upon him. Reproaches fell upon him. You see that? A stomach to suffer. A stomach to suffer. Daniel chapter 3. Another example. Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. Beautiful 316s, right? We are looking at a lot of 316s today. Okay. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we are not, I used it in the KGB, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. Meaning, we are not going to use diplomatic language. Watch your language, you know, try to use some kind of equivocation. We are going to unequivocally, we are going to profess, profess our faith in Jesus Christ. You know what we are going to do? If it so be for our God whom we serve, if, if it's, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, for a fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if he, if not, be it known to you, O king, 
that we will not serve you or the gods that you worship or the golden image that you set up. What is it? In other words, simple language, take a hike, basically. Colloquial. <laughs> Do whatever you want. We have made up our mind. You know, that's the reason why we sing that song. I've got my mind made up and I won't. I've, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see my Jesus one day. So gone, born, born, born again. Thank God I'm born again. So the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back, no turning back, a mind to suffer, not to be pampered. Amen. Let's move on. So how do we get this mind? How do we get this? How do we cultivate and uh, and uh, nourish this attribute of suffering? Five at five ways we do it. Okay, how many ways? Five ways. Let's look at those five ways and we will stop. First Peter chapter two and verse ten. For what glory is it if when ye be ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? But if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. This is the principle. Okay, a mind to suffer, a stomach to suffer. For even hereunto were he called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his footsteps. Right? Ye should follow in his footsteps. First Peter chapter 2. Who did no sin? Neither was guile found in his mouth. Who when he was reviled did not revile, uh, did revile not again. When he suffered he did not threaten. But committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. He committed himself to him who judgeth righteously. So how did he suffer? By leaving he left, as, uh, left an example. And what is the example that he left? Five things. Let us, do the, let us enumerate those five things. First thing. He did not do any sin. Second thing. There was no guile. You know to have no guile you have to suffer. What should, what should you suffer? Losing face. Yeah? Mm-hmm. If you want to keep their reputation among men, <laughs> you will always have guile. Third, when he was reviled, he did not revile back. We'll come to that, okay? Fourth, when he suffered, he did not threaten. Fifth, he allowed God to vindicate him always. Kya baat hai? Kya baat hai? Kya baat hai? Kya baat hai? This is the mindset for suffering, Baba. Five. Five graces that we have to inculcate. Graces means not the gift of grace. <laughs> the gift of grace is like prophesying, preaching, praying, singing, worshipping. These are all gifts of grace. This is a mindset of suffering, which is not common among many common believers. Hmm? Romans chapter 8. Look at what it says. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds. What do they set their minds on? So, so first, first, what did he do? He did no sin. Jesus Christ did no sin. So, what are we supposed to do? We have to suppose we are supposed to overcome sin. What are we supposed to overcome? We are supposed to overcome sin. And if we sin, we have an advocate. That is the reason why one John chapter two. Look at this. One John chapter two, verse one. My little children, these things I write unto you that you do not sin. But if any man sin, we have an advocate with with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So, understand one thing. Why did Jesus write, what, what, what did God say? I am writing all these things to you so that you may not sin. So, what is teaching for? Uh, to teach you not to sin. Understand that? So, if you, if you want to be a person who will not commit sin, what should you commit yourself to? The teaching of the word of God. The preaching of the word of God. Coming under the anointed teaching. That is very, very important. This, we come back to this over and over again. See, see, I am showing you the nose in 2500 dimensions. 
ultimately where is your nose this way this way this way it points out to the one thing teaching okay 1 john chapter 1 if we say that we have no sin what do we do we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us but if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all our unrighteousness so how do we overcome sin in our lives john's gospel chapter 8 will tell us very very straightforward truths look at what it says and he spake these words many believed as he spake these words many believed and jesus said to those jews who believed in him if we continue in my word lot of people cannot continue they do not continue okay see salvation you got saved you are being saved and you will be saved that is what we call as what we call as salvation to the uttermost we got saved you are being saved and you are will be saved one day god saved was a penalty being saved from the uh, from the power of sin and you will one day be saved from the presence of sin three translations of enoch see how enoch teaches in one verse so much of depth in one word translated <laughs> translated baba and he spake these words many believed on him then then said jesus to those who uh, jews who believed on him if we continue in my word then you are my disciples indeed that's the reason why it says enoch walked with god for how many years 300 years what is he doing he is continuing in god's word am i right because how can to walk unless they are agreed right and what is he doing he is agreeing with the with the authority of the word of god every day of his life so that is it's very interesting isn't it even though we talk about enoch uh, as a type of a, of a, of a believer i mean uh, we can uh, a type of a church which 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 is uh, going to be translated is very interesting that enoch walked alone enoch walked alone he made those decisions alone understand that okay if we continue in my word then ye are my disciples indeed and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free and they answered we be abraham's seed and we never uh, we were never in bondage to any man how sayest thou we shall be made free and you know what he says next verse jesus answered verily verily i say unto you whosoever committeth sin is a servant of sin and the the servant uh, abideth not in the house forever but the son abideth forever if the son therefore shall make you free you shall be free indeed and how will the son make you free only when you allow the the word of the son to come into your heart and abide in the heart and that's the reason why he says unless you abide in me you will not bear any fruit it is to the father's uh, glory that you bear fruit and the branches in me that bear fruit what do i do to those branches i prune them what does what does pruning mean so in pruning in pruning what god is taking away ah ah, ah okay 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 what is god taking away in pruning obvious answer in the context of john's gospel chapter 15 okay i am the vine ye are the branches every branch that i that bears fruit what do i do i prune it so what is he doing in pruning he is cutting out the branches that do not bear fruit from our lives so what will happen in many of the in many situations from a believer's life god is going to use the scissor of the word of god to cut out those people who are not bearing fruit who will not allow us to bear fruit and that is very painful and most of the times we will take away relationships which are not which are not which are not fruitful for you 
Do you understand? Because he says, every branch that does not bear fruit, what do I do? I take it away and I put it together and I burn it. So what, what does God do? By cutting off, by pruning us, he's cutting off those branches inside of us, in, in, in our lives, which is not bearing fruit. So those could be relationships. Are you, are you okay with that? Are you holding on to those relationships which are dead in the sight of God? And God says, no, 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 God. Keep this relationship, keep this relationship. Don't cut it away from me. Because we never, let me see, you have to look at it in context, right? Huh? Many relationships are unfruitful relationships. Okay. That is the reason why God says, evil company huh, corrupts good manners. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he cuts away. So what should you do? You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Romans chapter 6 for the one millionth time maybe. And that's a hyperbole, okay? <laughs> know ye not that who to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are. That's the reason why I use the word KJV. Because he personifies sin with a his, with a pronoun his. Okay. Okay. If if you are not angry, if you if you if you uh, if you don't overcome your anger, and if you are not happy with what God has given you, who's crouching, crouching at the door? Sin is crouching at the door, and his and his desire is for you, but you shall master him. Is what he tells Cain. His servants you are, to whom you obey, whether of sin. That means what sin is a person, the personality inside of us which causes us to sin, the old man. Whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin. But ye have obeyed from the heart. That form of doctrine which was delivered you. Which was delivered you. I like that. Which was delivered you. That means to which you were delivered unto. Being made free from sin, ye became servants of righteousness. What has happened? You've been continuously taking part of life by passing from death to life. The words that I give you, what are those words? They are spirit and life. And what has happened? Many, many people said, you know what? We got offended with Jesus and they did not walk with him anymore. They got offended. They didn't like this pruning. They didn't, they didn't like this cutting. They said, huh. And Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, huh, what do you want to do? You want to go away? And what does, what does Peter say? Lord, you and you alone have the words of life in continuing in our, in our abiding with you. We are proving to ourselves and to you that we have passed from what? Death to life. Do you understand that? It is continuing which is important. Because many start, few finish. Many start, few finish. Okay? So what does it teach us? Hmm? Grace teaches us to say no, right? Titus chapter 2, we know this verse. It teaches us to say no. So what should you say teach? What, 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 is, the, what is the proof that you are being taught well? Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 22. I like that. Triple 2. Triple 2, gado, four twos. 2, 2, 2, 2. <laughs> Flee youthful lust. That means say no to youthful lust. But don't stop there. It's not a full stop. It's a comma. Hmm? But pursue righteousness. How? Pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call to God, call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Hmm? Okay. Say no to sin. Say no to sin. 
by overcoming sin in your life, by surrendering yourself to teaching and obeying the teaching from your heart and becoming slaves of righteousness. Offering the instruments of your body, especially your tongue. It's called the weapons. The actual translation is the weapons of our body. Your eyes, your ears, your feet, your hands, your, your tongue and your, and, your, and your nose. All the five senses that God has given you as instruments or weapons of righteousness. Amen. So first thing, he did not sin. Second thing, there was no guile. So let us look at Psalm 32, slide number 45. Okay, Psalm 32. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord does not impute sin or iniquity and in whose spirit there is no guile. So how do we get the spirit in which there is no guile? How do we get the spirit in which there is no guile? Ah, he goes on to say, just read a little further. Okay, don't say Selah. Read a little further. (laughs) Look at what it says. When I get silent, my bones, my bones, not my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. In other words, it is very, very difficult. I think it says, no, uh, the way of the transgressors is hard. Proverbs chapter 20 or something. I don't know. I, I, I forget that word. The way of the transgressors is hard because you have to lie to cover up that lie. You have to keep on lying. How do you know that a person is lying? He tells one story now, another story later, another story later. That story keeps on changing. How do you know he's telling the truth? He remains consistent in his, his testimony. Consistent in his testimony. You know, because it comes from a pure heart. Okay. When I kept silent, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day, all the day long. Don't say, look ma, no hands. No. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Selah. Now pause. <laughs> now pause and think about it. What's happening to me, O Lord? Because I'm hiding my sin and I'm trying to appear as if I'm righteous. What did, what did God do? Heavy. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. Then I said, I acknowledge my sin unto you and my iniquity have I not hid from you. I said, I will confess my transgression unto the Lord and you forgave us the iniquity of my sin. Selah. You see, how do you come out of guile? By confession. By open saying, Lord, this is what I did. I don't want to pretend. I don't want to pretend. This is exactly what I am. Confess your sins. You know, the one person you, whom you can always confess without, without pretending is to God. If you pretend before God, I can't help you. God also can't help you. You can pretend before others, but don't pretend before God at least. Hmm? <laughs> Understand? That is the reason why John's Gospel chapter 1 will say, Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, the son of Nazareth, the uh, son of Joseph. And Nathaniel said, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. And I love these verses. Hmm? Jesus saw Nathaniel come, coming toward him and said, Behold, an Israelite indeed. The trans- translation is, This is a true Israelite in whom there is no guile or deceit. Put to God that we have such kind of a testimony from God, from Jesus himself. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Whatever is made manifest is brought to light. Don't hide it. You know, expose them by confessing it to God and also confessing it to a mature believer in Jesus who's who's older than you in the Lord, older than you, not in age, older than you in the Lord. Everybody say that? Ah, ah, ah. older than you in the Lord. Confessing, opening up and saying this is what it is and have a transparent lifestyle, make, make yourself accountable so you don't have to pretend. He knows, you know, God knows. 
at least find a few people in this world whom you can't pretend that you don't have to wear a mask. Amen. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done for the, by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by light. For whatever makes manifest is light. In other words, practice a lifestyle. What is that? Practice a lifestyle of judging yourself constantly. Amen? Amen? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, John's Gospel chapter 5. He answered. Okay. Uh, this is John 9. Sorry, not just John 5. This is John 9. Uh, can I just change it here? Uh, John 9. Uh, you can also change it, doc- Dr. Richard. John 9. John 9. John 9. Alright, let's go back to... Um, so first thing... Overcome sin. Second thing, overcome guile. Third thing, when you are reviled, don't revile back. How do you do that? He answered them, I told you already. This is the testimony of the blind man. Hmm? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they reviled him and said, you are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. You know what What happens immediately? The way he answers. A gentle answer turns away wrath or incurs wrath. It doesn't matter. Okay, some people get angry anyway. Hmm? The man answered and said to them, why, why this marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from, yet he opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God, he does his will and he hears him. What is, it, what is he saying? You know what? The way he answered, he was consistent with his testimony. Just because people reviled him, he did not change his testimony. You understand? Just, be, just because people reviled him, he did not, uh, not uh, change his testimony. Okay, He was consistent in his testimony. Since the world began, it has not been heard, unheard that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. And then what happens? If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Then they answered said, and said to him, you are completely born in your sins and you are teaching us. And they cast him out. <laughs> Threw him out. <laughs> okay, so... First, overcome sin. Second, don't pretend. Third, don't revile in return. When you are suffering, don't threaten. Don't threaten. Okay? Don't say that. Okay. Proverbs chapter 20. Do not say, I will recompense evil. Wait for the Lord and he will save you. Okay. In fact, when your enemy is uh, hungry, <laughs> what should you do? Feed him. When he's thirsty, give him water to drink. By doing this, what do you do? Nice burning coals. If you want to really take vengeance, kill him with kindness. What should you do? Mm. Murder him with kindness. <laughs> kill him with kindness. Be over with your uh, with your uh, with your generosity. Hmm? So first thing, do not uh, uh, so so not and uh, overcome sin. Don't pretend. Uh, don't revile. Don't take matter in your own hands by threatening. And fourth, fifth thing, final thing, I'm just going to end with this. Allow God to vindicate you. That means God will recompense you one day, one final day. Okay. Genesis chapter 41. This is the lifestyle of life of David. Oh, sorry, Joseph. Pharaoh asked him, can we find anyone like this man on him? One in whom the spirit of God is. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made you all, God has made all things known to you. There is no one 
so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. What did, he, what God, what did God make him? He made him the ruler of the entire Pharaoh's household. Actually made, made him father to Pharaoh. Ruler of this ruler of uh, his whole household and the ruler of entire Egypt. That, how, that is how God vindicated him. And you know what, what, what will God do? One day, if you go through this pathway of suffering, you will also be vindicated by God. That is the reason why it says, no weapon formed against us will prosper and every lying tongue that is going to raise against in judgment we shall condemn. For this is our heritage as the servants of the Lord and our vindication comes from God. Don't try to vindicate yourself. Allow God to vindicate you. That is how we suffer. But because you know why? To vindicate ourselves, you know, we always try want to justify ourselves. I did not do this. Oh, Potiphar's wife. Oh, Potiphar, do you think I would have done this? You know me for such a long time. You, you Do you think I would have done it? No. Kept his mouth shut. He never repaid evil with evil, but rather repaid evil with good and allowed God to vindicate him. So five things. Overcoming sin. You have to suffer. Not to pretend, you have to suffer. Third thing, what is it? When you are reviled, when you do not revile, you have to suffer. Answering gently, not changing your testimony. When people put pressure upon you, you still be are consistent with your testimony. Just because people are reviling you will not change your testimony. You have to suffer. When people threaten you, you what do you do? You suffer. And you, in fact, recompense good, I'm sorry, evil with. Good. And fifth, the way you suffer is, by have a mindset to suffer is, what happens? You allow God to vindicate you. And one day, when you do these five things, you have a mindset to suffer. And God will also translate you. Baba, you've been translated from the penalty of sin. You've been translated from the power of sin. God says, you're too good for me. Let's get raptured, bro. You are of the class of Enoch. What? Which class are you of? The class of Enoch. That's the title of today's message. The class of Enoch. Okay, the class of Enoch and the class of Enoch. Okay, class, the class of Enoch and the class of Enoch. Okay, of the class of Enoch, of the class of Enoch. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you, Father, for this day. You're a good God. Your mercy endures forever. You've been teaching us to endure suffering. Enable us, Lord Jesus, to suffer to suffer for righteousness sake. Your word says, O Lord, blessed are those who suffer for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men revile you and call you all kinds of names because of me, for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. And Therefore this morning, O Lord, you will find in our church those people who are of the class of Enoch. Thank you, Father. We praise you, Lord. We worship you. Commit every one of us into your hands. Pray the blood of Jesus over our lives. Pray, Lord Jesus, that you would bless us with a mind and a stomach to end your suffering. Thank you, Father. We praise you. We worship you. We give glory. For in Jesus' mighty name, and all God's people said, Amen.